Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. So I saw this, Pamela, that Phoenix police, working with the DEA, recently busted a guy who had a large amount of drugs on him, specifically these fentanyl pills. 170,000 pills. That's a hell of a lot of pills. And while we can say that's great, they caught them, they got these off the street, it strikes me that there must be a hell of a demand for this stuff still. Yeah, you know what? And this is the stuff that really scares me as a parent. If you kind of go back to when I was in high school and when you were in high school, Bruce, I mean, there were drugs, right? We we all know that there were drugs. But the drugs were like pot. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in my school, it was pot and alcohol. The harder stuff existed, but you didn't really have access to it. Kids today, there's a lot of pill popping going on. Okay. Whether it be Adderall or, you know. Uh, the study drugs. Yeah, exactly. Or you also have the pain pills like the Oxycontin and the Percocet. Access to a medicine cabinet at their their house or a friend or family member's house. But the pill that you get in the medicine bottle is very and can be very different than the pill you get on the street. Yes. Because these pills, they were marked with the M3. Um, Now, blue M3. I I don't know exactly what that means, but what police are saying is it's nearly impossible to tell the difference between street fentanyl and legitimate oxycodone tablets. It it looks like the type of pill you would get from a pharmacy and that the so, dr- drug kingpins or whatever are specifically trying to market these and and pass them off as quote legitimate so as you, as you kind of work this through all right so say a kid goes to buy what they think is oxycodone oxycotton whatever it may be yeah and it's not a lot of the times the street drugs aren't are not no. the ones that you get from the pharmacy. These ones are laced with fentanyl, and fentanyl kills. It kills. It easily kills. Quickly. So you see how this becomes such a concern because the, the drugs that kids have access to today are very different than the kind that we had access to. Because even if you look at like pot, for instance, the type of pot we had access to back then is different than the type well, of pot we have access to now. And we, we still don't have the, the, the math deaths due to pot. No, but you get my point. You've, right. We've even had Colonel Frank Milstead in here talking about the, the potency today? of yeah. it. Yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, what it was back then, it's different. Mm-hmm. And this scares me. These 170,000 fentanyl pills that were taken off the street had a, a street value of about $3 million. So the DEA is warning all Arizonans not to take any pill that isn't prescribed by a medical professional. And I think that, like, that makes sense to you and I, but we're not addicted to pain pills. And when you are, mm-hmm. and the prescription starts with the doctor, and then you get cut off from those pain pills, yet you still need them. Where do you go? You go to the black market and you become more susceptible to fentanyl-laced drugs. We did a we did a week-long segment on, yeah, on, on, on opioids because we wanted to learn as well. And we, we kind of tackled it from a variety of different issues. And I can remember one of the, the pushbacks, if you will. And we even had a guest who needs, uses prescription opioids to deal with pain and 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 people who legitimately need these 
or use them felt they were getting lumped in with like drug addicts, right? And they're having a very difficult time getting the medication too. So I thought this actually, this piece actually bolsters their argument that they recently did a study, and this was uh, this goes back to the American Journal of Psychi- Psychiatry and some other um, medical journals that took a look at people who were taking OxyContin on a doctor's prescription mm-hmm. for wh- what whatever the reason yeah, is, whatever. right? That people who were receiving one through a legitimate prescription rarely, and it's a minuscule number, overdosed on them. Hmm. So the people who were legitimately getting a prescription picking up at a pharmacy are not the ones who were overdosing. Now, here is the problem. Many people start down the path from a, you know, having your wisdom teeth taken out to surgery or whatever. That prescription runs out and you find yourself dependent. Then when they went and switched to, like you said, looking for it on the black market, buying it from a a, a street level, getting it from a source you don't know, unlike your, your pharmacist, that's when the overdoses start. It's interesting because it's not what I would have. I didn't think so either. I wouldn't have thought of. But it does kind of give you a moment of pause because then how do you mitigate that? Because you can't in perpetuity give somebody a prescription to an opioid out of fear that if you stop, they're going to go get it someplace else. And that may lead to an overdose. I think that what you see what I mean, I I do. It's it's. If you are legitimately using it, I say legitimately, you've got a prescription, you're under a doctor's care. The concern for you or if you're a family member or a friend is when that prescription runs out, then what? It's also when do you give prescriptions? Mm. Because I think what you're starting to see and, and, and part of the pushback that we got during that, you know, that that series, Bruce, mm-hmm. was if I truly need it, I can't get it anymore. Uh, my husband limited the amount and stuff. Yeah, my husband back in in July broke his elbow. I mean, it was gnarly. Mount, mountain biking. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was gnarly. And I mean, he he's still going through physical therapy to, to get full range of motion. But I mean, had surgery within hours after having the injury, right. and he was given a prescription for I don't know what painkiller or whatever it was. I think he took one. Now, he's got several rods in his elbow right now. It was an extensive surgery. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he refused. Wouldn't do it. Refused to take the medication. Mm. And I think that that's, that's the other side of this coin. That's, that's the change that's happening is people saying, but here's I'll manage the deal, my like, pain differently? Yeah. And, and I mean, he's a grown man, dog. He can make his he own decisions. But as his wife, who loves him and doesn't want to see him in pain, it broke my heart when like he would be just sleeping. He'd be like moaning because it hurts so bad or on the couch because, you know, he just couldn't get away from the pain. And I'm like, there, there's this is the time you take it. But he was so anti taking these drugs. I think, you know, because of so much discussion around them that, you know, he, he went through a very difficult period of time because of it. It's a complex situation. Absolutely. I, I, and it's a complex argument. And I can get that. And, and let's throw this in a local company, Insys. 
who were uh, a manufacturer of a fentanyl spray. The founder is going to jail. Going to the Hooskow. Executors John Kapoor was the mastermind behind the marketing tactics of Insys Therapeutics to get more doctors to write more prescriptions for an oral fentanyl spray. A sales executive once gave a lap dance to a doctor. Other doctors were paid millions of dollars in bribes disguised as speaking fees or educational opportunities. The defense said Kapoor was miscast during trial as some sort of mob boss. A federal judge in Boston sentenced him to five and a half years in prison, more than the one year he had hoped for, but far less than the 15 years prosecutors sought. Is that justice? Is that justice? We're seeing how pharmaceutical companies have a role in the opioid epidemic in this country. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you have, a, you have a, a, a pharmaceutical company in this case that was found to bribe doctors because they weren't prescribing this highly addictive, in some cases, deadly drug enough. And their concern is Profits. Their their concern is sales. We don't care how many people die. That's not Just, our business. You got you got to throw a lap dance in there to get a sale. Go for it. You got to you got to give him a quote speaking fee. We're gonna we're gonna hire you as one of our experts. You don't have to do anything. We're just going to okay, send but you. Here's cash. my other thing. Here, here's my other thing. All right. So he's he's getting five and a half years in prison, and I'm not mad at that. This is the the founder yeah. of this pharmaceutical company. It's based in Chandler here. Um, but he was orchestrating this scheme of bribes and kickbacks to physicians who prescribed the large amount of fentanyl spray. Aren't they culpable? That's where I'm going, man. Aren't the, aren't the physicians who received bribes, yes. who received yes. anything of value Kickbacks. in order to prescribe more of this stuff when they normally wouldn't prescribe it? How, how are they not just as responsible? Yeah, I think they are. And you have like the former vice president of sales of this company. He, too, was sentenced to like two years. Mm-hmm. So you see... If John I, I think- Kapoor is the, dr- is the drug kingpin... The doctors were the street-level dealers. And so how, how long before we get down to them? Now, yeah. not every doctor that prescribes this medication is unscrupulous. Agreed. But those, I mean, follow the money, man. You can draw a, a, a line from point to A to on. point B and, and make a, a very viable case. So Tinder, the online dating app, is implementing something called a panic button. I, I honestly don't understand it. And I don't understand when and how you're supposed to use it. We'll explain the Tinder panic button. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Sorry, Sharon. My bad. Tinder, the online dating app, has a new feature. It's called a panic button. And if I understand correctly, Pamela, it is a way for you to... Call for help if you're on a date that goes horribly wrong. Tinder is rolling out a new feature meant to keep users safe when they're out on a date. Yeah, soon you'll be able to press a panic button as part of the app. Users will have the option of having their location tracked, and if they press that panic button, authorities will then be notified. Tinder will also offer check-ins to make sure that users are staying safe. These new safety features will be available at the end of this month. I don't get it. Uh, I don't get it. Why? Here's what I don't get. What? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go practical for a second. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm here with you. Go for it. If you can use your phone where yeah. the Tinder app is on yeah. during the date, yeah, to tell Tinder, yeah, that you don't feel safe in some way, shape, or form, and they are going to alert the authorities. Why don't you just cut out the middleman? 
And alert the authorities. Why, why do you need to go to Tinder to say, hey, will you tell somebody this guy's a nut or girl? Like, I don't quite, I don't get it. I, I, neither do, I mean, okay, so so here here's how this works. Because it's not just a, hey, you push a button and, and whoop, here come the police. There, there's something <laughs> Thank else. Thank God. Right? Can I imagine how many times the cops would be called? Right? Oh, my land. So you actually have to open up a, a different app. Yeah, you have to download a different app. It's called Noonlight. Mm-hmm. All right. So, okay. So you're at the date, Bruce, okay? Got do, it. Do, 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 do. You open up the Noonlight app and you press a button that tells the Noonlight dispatchers yes. that, hey, this isn't going so well. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I feel unsafe. I feel unsafe. The dispatch then sends you a text. Okay. So that you don't have to say, I need help. You're just texting at this point. If you don't answer that text, they're going to send a code and call them. This seems like you're spending a lot of time on your phone. If there's no answer, they're going to dispatch emergency services. The idea of this is to let users ask for help without raising suspicion during the date. Now, I'm wondering where this would really become, you know, um, you would use this. Okay, give me, yeah. But no, because, like, if you're at... At a bar, or if Restaurant. you're at uh, Isn't like, a lot of Tinder dates, yeah, I would, I would assume. Okay, and somebody's super weird, yeah, then uh, call police. Who cares if you're raising suspicion? By it's the not way, my job to protect your ego. Get up and walk away, right? I've heard that can happen at dates, it's never happened to me. No, never. No, I see you smiling over there. Get up and leave, <laughs> tap out. I've had enough. Hey. Have a great life. See you later. Now, if somebody is super duper weird, creepy, and makes you feel threatened, why are you, you going out on a date? Hold with on, them? that you can't just tap out, yeah, yeah, yeah. and leave. Then at that point, I mean, I'm trying to run it through my yeah, yeah, filter. Yeah. Like, hey, you know what? I got to use the bathroom, and I would excuse myself to the bathroom, never and then I call the police, or you'd never come back. All right, call the police too. Yeah, because I don't want to. Well, what are you calling? Here's what I don't understand. What are you calling the police on? Somebody's weird. That's not a crime. No, but I, I okay, listen, I've been off the market for enough Hot years. Minute. Yeah, and you know what? And I'm so glad I don't have to run through these scenarios no. in my head. But I'm thinking, like, you know what? There are some creepos out there, some some massive creepos. No argument. And so if you find yourself in this situation where you want to be, like, escorted to your car, you don't want this guy following you. I don't freaking know. Do you need the police? Potentially. No. I don't know. I, Why are I, you calling the cops? Because your date is weird. It's not just weird. I'm not just saying this is if weird. If they people. assault you, dial 911. Don't call Tinder. I, well, I'm with, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Call a 911 versus saying, the Tinder thingy. Cut, cut out the middleman. But if your date is weird, odd, you don't feel comfortable, that's not a crime. Don't call the cops. And what do you want thing, them to do? Tase the guy? <laughs> yes, probably. Please. I'm always assuming it's the guy that's weird, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Is that bad that I immediately... <gasps> it is the guy that's weird. I... So okay, the, the I, app, I can admit that it's it's us that is weird. Okay, so in this noon noonlight app as well, yeah. you can turn on your your location tracking. So so they, so they know can where track you, you. I would be much more like comfortable if my best friend was tracking me. So I'd like share my location, like you know, find my friends kind you of thing. Can, you, you can, can do share. that on your phone. Yeah, now. I, I would do that. Like so, all these things already exist. Right. Exactly. It it am I like, missing something? Am I just been, I, don't like, get. I think Tinder is trying to address the perception that there are uh, uh, creep factor 10 dates out there and they're going to help you when the reality is you can help yourself with a variety of other things that you probably already have on your phone.
including the 911 feature if you feel that unsafe. But again, that's a crime was committed. Not this guy's creepy or he won't pay for his half of dinner. You've heard of like the bars that if you order this shot... That it's a like bartender a, like will, a, you know, escort you code? to your car. Yeah, sadly, none of us know what that you, shot is. Well, they probably have it up in the uh, the girls' bathroom. How come we don't have it in the men's bathroom? Yeah, well, because... If I uh, order a Natty Light, that means I've got a stage five clinger, and I need help. Something tells me you're going to be get away from the stage five clinger. Stage five clinger. You can take her. Like you can take her. <laughs> then she hits the panic button on her Tinder and all hell breaks loose and I get tased. <laughs> can I see you get tased? No. Please. We're keeping a relatively close eye on the impeachment trial. What comes next? Hey, you got your weekend plans ready? We'll tell you about them next. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. I think I know the answer. Are you watching the impeachment trial in the Senate? Uh, no. Yeah. Um, so I have, I have a friend. Oh, is this, is this, I have a friend. Okay, okay, Bruce, tell me what you I know somebody. Okay, what does your friend... Who runs a TV station. Mm-hmm. And during the impeachment hearings in the, in the house, house okay. the ones they had, they, and it's a, lo- a local station, went, you know, with wall-to-wall coverage, right? Mm-hmm. The general manager said, I will never do that again. Why would the general manager decide to never do that again, Bruce? And he said, we get our ratings back. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm not saying we had zero listeners, but we could have just invited them to come down to the station. Yeah. And he said, it killed us. No one was watching. I can't imagine. The the hearings at least had some back and forth, maybe a little drama in there. <laughs> drama. These are... <laughs> These are as boring as the day is long, right? Now, yeah. you may say it's important. It's only the third time it's... Ha- yeah, guess what? I don't think people... I don't think people are that into it. <laughs> the senators there are just aren't, not that into aren't, it. Aren't, aren't into that either. Yeah. So, ratings? Uh, I'm sure it's, it's not hitting the ratings mark on this. But is it important? Sure, it is. I think what a lot of people are, are looking for is just kind of like the synopsis and the summary of what's happening. Right? Okay. So, let, let's give you some of that right now. A lot of the arguments that are being made... You've heard them being made before. Why? Because it is the Democrats right now who are giving their opening statements. They have 24 hours to do so, broken up into three eight-hour sessions. Today would be their last if they decide to take all 24 hours. All right? Okay. Then it becomes the Republicans. And I think that's where it may get a little interesting. Again, I'm kind of hedging with the May part of it, because now we're going to hear from the White House and what their arguments refuting all of this becomes and so but, those arguments but who okay fair enough I, I just want to insert here who are these people talking to oh i don't know the american people but if the american people aren't watching who are they talking to well there are and some. on a saturday well okay so that's the thing are you going to this are starting... you going to spend your weekend yeah, no. watching c-span Yeah, because that's what happens. Tomorrow, the Republicans get their chance. Oh, yeah, tomorrow. What is it? It's Saturday. Democrats now have eight hours left on the clock. Then tomorrow, it will be the Trump team's turn. They will then have three days total to make their case and respond. But sources tell us that they may opt for a shorter session on Saturday so they can make the bulk of their argument next week when more people are likely to be tuning in. There you go. The president is not happy that 
His side is arguing on Saturday for the reasons you've just laid out. President Trump on Twitter this morning expressed his frustration with the fact that his legal team has to begin its opening statements on Saturday, calling it, quote, Death Valley in TV. because Americans may not be tuning in. May? May not be tuning in? No, they're not going to be tuning in. Now, the flip side of that is, have you seen the president's legal team? You might want them on in the middle of the night. You may not want them in prime time. They've they've got... One good attorney. <laughs> the, uh, the rest, like, uh, if oh I no. was, if Getting I had gotten a jaywalking ticket, I wouldn't hire those people to defend yeah. me. Yeah, uh, but when it comes to the Republicans in the White House getting their chance before the Senate in the trial. Uh, there seems to be a little bit of conflict going on. Trump's legal team argues abuse of power is not a crime and therefore not impeachable. But members of Trump's own defense team and his attorney general, Bill Barr, have argued the opposite, that you don't need a crime to impeach. Democrats even playing old video of Trump's top ally, Senator Lindsey Graham, from the Clinton impeachment trial. I think that's what they meant by high crimes. Doesn't even have to be a crime. Democrats now have one more day to make their case. Uh, That's today. Yeah, so it's taken today. So um, with all that going on, mm-hmm. right, you know, you, you've had the Democrats doing their opening statement. You've got Republicans that get to do it. And what, what did he call it? Like the Death Valley of the Death Valley of TV or whatever. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I don't disagree. Saturday um, midday. That's when everyone is going to be glued uh, to C-SPAN. Not. But, but there's a new national poll out from yes. from Pew. Pew, pew, pew. And pew. I, I found this interesting. Right. One in three. Okay. Republican voters. One in three Republicans. That's almost 30 percent. Okay. Say that the president probably or definitely did something illegal. Okay. While either running for president or during his first three years in office. 30 percent of Republicans yeah. believe Trump committed a crime. Yeah. Okay. That same poll mm-hmm. shows that just eh, about 10 percent thought that he should be removed from office. Yeah, I think it would be interesting. And again, it it just shows some of the hypocrisy. I, listen, you can have your beliefs and your values and your morals, but I'm going to hold you to them. Because if I said, how many of you believe Obama, President Obama committed a crime while running for or in office? And do you think he should be removed? If those numbers are any different, you're a hypocrite. But what this just does is is it goes to show the biasness that people have, and we all have it. And, and and while I wish there was consistency and there wasn't hypocrisy, it exists, and it's on full display right now. But here's what I, I – the, the Pew, Pew Pew poll that came out, here's what I thought was interesting. Almost every poll that I have seen, not just Pew, there's been four or five of them, all show that pretty evenly people are split – between uh, removing from office. Okay. Should Trump be removed from office? It's been it's been like anywhere from 49 to 50 to 51. And, and it can go right back and forth. And margin of error. So let's yes. say it's a toss-up, a coin flip, Got right? It. Sure. But what's not a coin flip, depending on the poll you look at, mm-hmm. in the 60 to 70% range, mm-hmm. people believe there should be witnesses and testimony. See, that's the thing. So even if you don't believe he should be removed, that's what I'm reading here, you do believe, some of you believe, well, we should still have some sort of testimony and agreed. And, and, and what what trial have you ever heard of that has never that doesn't have any evidence or witnesses? Never. Exactly. And so, yeah, I think you have a lot of senators that want that as well. Now, is there enough to actually get the simple majority vote in order to make that happen? 
I don't know. Mm. Some of the the Republican senators who've been on the the fence as as far as maybes like a Murkowski or a, a Collins seem to be telegraphing a bit of their punch, saying that they're they're not as convinced that witnesses or testimony from new evidence should be entered in. Now, can that change in the next few days? Possibly. But I heard an early dis- discussion earlier this morning that I found quite intriguing, and it was from a former house manager who brought the articles against uh, Nixon. Oh, wow. And what this former congresswoman said was, you know, once they had the tapes, you know, of Nixon, that's when Barry Goldwater went to the White House and said, you know, you're going to be removed. We've got the votes. And he resigned. But that was the smoking gun. And what this house manager said, there is potentially, she doesn't know, none of us know, there is potentially a smoking gun in the evidence and in the documents that have not been given because the president has said, I'm not giving any documents. The president has admitted to obstruction of justice saying we have the material and we didn't give it to him, by the way. he That was the other day, by the way, that he admitted to obstructing justice. And it still doesn't matter. 5347 is the vote. My biggest concern is how this impacts the country to five, ten years down the road, because it will. Instead of sitting around watching impeachment trial tomorrow. because you know you are, right? You might be going to the movies. Hey, I see movies so that you don't have to. Got one opening up tomorrow that I think is worth catching. We'll talk about it next. KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Movies in a Minute, brought to you by Peoria Ford. Ready to serve at 91st Avenue and Bell Road. If you bought anywhere but Peoria Ford, you paid too much. So I, I see movies, except for the scary ones, so that you don't have to, Pamela. And uh, we got a kind of an interesting one. This is kind of a lull. We had all the big movies come out over the holidays, mm-hmm. right? You kind of get into a little bit of a trough here, if you will. But every once in a while, you get a little gem in the middle here. This first movie, one that stars Matthew McConaughey, Pamela. All right, all, all right, right, all right. right, all right. It's got a pretty big all-star cast, directed by Guy Ritchie. Okay. The former Guy Madonna. Yeah, Right, Mr. Mr. Madonna. Mr. Madonna, yeah. right? It's called The Gentleman. Sweet Mary Jane is my vice. Your poison, on the other hand, is and always has been the destroyer of worlds. You're out of touch, and I would like you to consider an offer. I am not for sale. That so, voice. Yeah, yeah. Matthew McConaughey plays an, an American drug dealer in England. Okay. Okay. And he is one of the largest marijuana dealers, he growers and dealers. But he wants to cash out. He he wants to get out of the business, so he's looking for a someone to sell his business to. Interesting. Okay. Right? Yeah. And you have some. You have Colin Farrell in this movie. Hugh Grant is amazing in this movie um and basically it starts a series of kind of schemes and plots and everybody's kind of trying to angle their way in now keep in mind guy Ritchie is kind of like the quentin tarantino of england his movies are quirky there's a lot of dialogue and usually people get shot and stabbed that's a lot of what goes on okay well he did lock stock and two smoking barrels Uh, Snatch was the one with Brad Pitt in it. So this movie, along the same lines, I got to tell you, it was fun. Yeah, it's a real good kind of who done it with a lot of twists and turns that you, you don't, don't see, see coming. coming. Awesome. And and again, Hugh Grant alone for me 
was worth it. And I want to see it again just to watch Hugh Grant. Who Is it was, his character? His character. Okay. It was just, it was, he was fantastic as a, a weaselly, smarmy kind of guy. Not, not, not the suave, debonair that kind of tuxedo-wearing Hugh Grant, right? So the gentleman on the one to five scale, I gave it a four. I think it's really okay. worth seeing, all right? Yeah. Now, I, there are not a lot of other movies out there right now, but I did find this, and it was kind of interesting. I mean, because we were just talking about there's a Netflix series out right now called Pandemic. Yeah, I'm not watching that. Which kind of ties that. into the news of the day. But have you heard about some of these numbers coming from the streaming services when they talk about how many people are watching it? They're huge. Huge. There's, there's one on Netflix, by the way, called Witcher. Have you seen it? I have not. Me neither. But according to Netflix, 78 million of you have seen it. Whoa. Now, if 78 million, uh, that was in the, the first month that's been on there. If 78 million people went and saw a movie, okay, in the theaters, that'd be a billion dollar movie. Think about it. 78 million people times whatever movie ticket's going for these days. You see what I'm saying? So that's a lot of people. That's a ton of people. But there's a catch. But wait, there's more? And is Netflix and Amazon and Hulu, are they all playing a little fast and loose? Because here's why. We found out, we found out that for you to be counted as one of the 78 million people that watched The Witcher, okay, the first month, you only had to watch two minutes of it. In other words, you didn't even have to get through the opening credits before you went, next. It's funny that you say the opening credits because I used to be a huge fan of Orange is the New Black. Okay. Also on Netflix. Yep. And the opening for that was over a minute and a half. And I knew that because I would fast forward, fast forward. through it all. And they you kind of knew when you had to stop it. Shows know this now. And if you're, if, you, if you're smart and you look at a lot of these shows, a lot of them have no opening scene or it's different every time. They don't run that 60 second quote open because they know they're going to lose you. They have to hit you with something and grab you right well, they, away. Well, they hit you with something, and then they come in with the opening, which is a minute, minute and a half, and then they've got you for the two minutes they need in order to count you into the households, because that's what it is. Yeah. Netflix, like you said, now counts views after two minutes. Hulu counts after you've watched 10% of a show. Well, that comes out about three minutes on average. And... Um, it's it's just kind of interesting that they're counting that because I, I kind of equate it to like reading a book. If you've read a chapter uh-huh. of a book, yeah, have you read the book? Probably not. No, no. And if you watched two minutes of Witcher, did you really watch it? But what's the benefit of counting that many people? What's the benefit of of counting everybody who's just seen it after two minutes? It lets them make you think. That you're missing out on something because 78 million people are watch, quote watching this. So movie. you're gonna go watch Witcher this weekend? I'm not gonna watch it. No, I'm still not gonna watch it. <laughs> out of principle. Just now it's uh, out of principle. Yeah. Facebook's even worse. Facebook has its own video streaming. Sure. Has its own. If you watch for two seconds, you count as a. That's like you accidentally watcher. clicked on something. You couldn't hit the. You couldn't hit the stop or the right. next quick enough. Yeah. They're all playing a little fast and loose with the numbers, so take them with a grain of salt. Just how dangerous is the coronavirus, and are you concerned about it spreading? We're going to be talking about some of the amazing numbers coming up next on Arizona's News Station.